0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program this Thanksgiving Day. you may be aware, Radio Parallax is heard locally every Thursday. We've been at this for eight years, so this makes our eighth Thanksgiving program. We are, of course, well aware of the fact that a show that airs locally at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving may have something of a decrease in listenership. Uh, Many of you will be uh, attending the various and sundry family feasts taking place, but we're fairly confident that uh, radios will be on in various firehouses, police stations, hospitals, and to various locations where people continue to work in spite of the fact that it is a holiday. We like every year to salute all of you who are, as we speak, on the job, perhaps with a radio in the background, doing what you must do for the benefit of public safety and welfare. So on this day of Thanksgiving, we would like to offer a special thanks to all of you who are doing your duty today. As we've done on several programs in the past, we'd like to put something uh, especially fun and uh, festive. And so what we're going to do is borrow, I think, for the third or fourth time, I, I lose track of uh, which it might be, of one of our favorite segments, which we did not ourselves do, but uh, but rather is Ira Glass's This American Life program and the uh, the show they did uh, discussing failure. So stay tuned for that in our third segment today. And of course, Thanksgiving's a day where we all tend to eat too much. So we'll take a brief look at diet in our second segment today with our pal Greg Stebbin from Men's Health Magazine, specifically addressing the issue of how much salt is too much. And of course, we'll hear from our good pal Will Durst before we're through. But as always, let us begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History, the date in question today being the 25th of November. It was on the 25th of November in 1500 that Governor Francisco de Bobadilla of Santo Domingo, sent by Spain's Isabel and Ferdinand to investigate wretched conditions in the colony of Hispaniola, sends Italian explorer Christopher Columbus back to Spain in chains. Columbus may have been a bold explorer, but it turns out he was a very crappy administrator. Ah, but then who isn't? Apparently, when Columbus got back to Spain, his explanations for why things were not going so well uh, were accepted, but uh, his favor did begin to wane in the royal court. On this date in 1783, nearly three months after the Treaty of Paris ended the American Revolutionary War, the last British soldiers withdrew from New York City. This was their last military position in the U.S. After they departed, General George Washington entered the city in triumph to the cheers of New Yorkers. And we're pretty sure nobody played uh, this march from Aida at the time because it hadn't yet been written. But boy, it's a hell of a piece of music, isn't it? it was on this date february 28th in 1792 that the first farmer's almanac was published here in the united states and on radio parallax we've used the farmer's almanac on more than one occasion just a little tip if you go to buy one make sure it's the western edition because if you're following the astronomy and the tide tables and such i think you'd rather have it for san francisco than boston wouldn't you so on that one let the buyer beware western edition On November 25th in 1867, dynamite was patented in the United States by the Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel. Nobel was quite concerned about the potential harmful uses of his invention, duh, and eventually created the Nobel Prize to promote advances toward peace. On November 25th in 1923, transatlantic radio broadcasting began for the first time between England and America. This date in 1940, the American cartoon character Woody Woodpecker debuted in Walter Lance's Knock Knock. I must confess, Woody was not one of my cartoon favorites. Seven years later on this date, 1947, the New Zealand Parliament finally confirmed the 1931 Statute of Westminster, which granted New Zealand's independence from Great Britain. I guess the Kiwis liked being British citizens. All right, 25th of November, 1948, Ed Parsons, who owned a radio station in Astoria, Oregon, invented cable television. Parsons detected a usable signal from a TV station 150 miles away, then ran a cable from the antenna on the hotel where he lived into his living room. He then put a TV set in a store window and brought the signal to it with coaxial cable. This was the first recorded use of coaxial cable to carry television signals. And finally, 20 years ago today on this date, November 25, 1990, Poland held its first popular presidential election following communist rule. The founder of Solidarity, Wałęsa, received a plurality of the votes and won a runoff on December 9th. I'm privileged to say I was able to hear Wałęsa speak at Freeborn Hall here on the UC Davis campus some years back. It was amazing to contemplate a man who was a union leader, an electrician working for a union, becoming his country's president. It's curious curious note that from time to time here in America, we do elect presidents who actually at one point did hold actual jobs. Although, darn, when was the last one? Hmm, Reagan, I guess. No, I, I really think that's right. Oh, and if you think we're forgetting all those phony baloney jobs that George W. Bush had, uh, no, no, we're not. We, we don't think they count. Our quote of the day comes from John Ruskin, who said, In order that people may be happy in their work, these three things are needed. They must be fit for it, they must not do too much of it, and they must have a sense of success in it. I think he's right. Our quote of the day comes from Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who noted a couple months back that Mexico is looking more and more like Colombia looked 20 years ago which is a scary thought. And passing through South America 20 years ago, yours truly was scared out of his wits at the prospect of going to Columbia. But apparently a couple decades later, things have settled down, and uh, in fact, uh, I will probably be in that general vicinity for the next several weeks, meaning that most of the radio parallaxes you'll be hearing in December will be encore editions with some uh, freshening up. If possible, I'm going to try and do a direct report from... South and Central America, but we haven't worked the details out. That may be hard to pull off, but we may give it a shot. Our joke slash quote of the day comes from the immortal Oscar Wilde, who once said, Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Our stat of the day is that only 33% of boys born in the U.S. last year were circumcised, according to a new medical review. Circumcision rates have been dropping precipitously since the American Academy of Pediatrics announced there was no sufficient medical justification for removing male babies' foreskins. Which kind of reminds me of a bonus joke. Wherein a man is walking down one of the Jewish sections in New York and he passes a storefront where a moil operates, a moil is someone who performs the circumcisions on young Jewish babies. He notices that in the storefront there's a violin. He walks in and asks for the Moyle and says, I gotta ask ya, why do you have a violin in the store window? Moyle looks at him and says, What would you put in the window? <laughs> Alright, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Turn of the week magazine. It was a good week last week for seeing yourself as others see you. After Bob Muse of Britain, who weighed 297 pounds, lost 100 pounds after seeing himself complete with his pendulous belly on Google Street View, said Muse, "I was horrified when I saw that photo." Well, whatever it takes, you know. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for. Self-editing, after an Indonesian author released a 5,472-page book on Barack Obama. The book, which is one foot thick, chronicles Obama's early life in Indonesia. Explained author Damien Dematra, he is someone I've been inspired by. But I hope nobody tells Vince Bulyosi about this. I think his book on JFK only runs 4,000 pages. Just kidding. We've had Mr. Boliosi on this program twice, and we admire him very much. It's just that he's completely wrong about the JFK case. Well, I take it back. Not completely wrong. His debunking some of the more wacko theories is accurate. But his endorsement of the Warren Commission report does fall a bit short. By the way, that opinion, like all those tried on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the UC Regents. But finishing up our Good, Bad, and the Ugly, it was an ugly week last week for Losing Gracefully. After Sheriff Raymond Hambrick of Cleveland County, North Carolina, who lost his bid for re-election to Captain Alan Norman, fired Norman three weeks before he moves into his new office. All right, from the letters to the editor, we have the following. This wasn't actually written to us, it was written to the editors of New Scientist magazine, but it may be appropriate for a day where people eat and drink too much. The letter writer posed the following question. What is the significance of James Bond's famous phrase, shaken, not stirred? The writer asks if there really is a difference in the taste of a shaken vodka martini as opposed to a stirred one, and if there is, why? Said the editors of New Scientist, in our quest to establish a difference between a shaken and a stirred martini... We published a reply from Anna Collins of Washington, DC. She informed us that Bond ordered his martinis shaken so that the ice helped to dissipate any oil left over from the manufacture of vodka from potatoes, the base vegetable for many vodkas at the time Ian Fleming was writing the James Bond novels. Anna added that with the rise of higher quality grain vodkas, this method of preparation has become unnecessary. One reader decided to check out whether this really was the case. Wrote Peter Simmons from London to the magazine, In the blind trial, all six people on our sample said the potato vodka was oily and the grain vodka wasn't. Then we made two vodka martinis using the potato vodka. One was stirred with ice, the other shaken with ice. The difference was quite distinct. In a blind tasting, every one of the six drinkers characterized the shaken martini as being much less oily. But the martini had to be consumed quickly. If left to settle for five minutes or so, the shaken martini became oily again. So there you have it. Anyway, those of you who study food science and uh, vodka science and potato science uh, may want to try and replicate this experiment. And if you do, by all means, drop us a line at info at We like to encourage actual scientific investigation in all areas of modern life. And any leftover research material can be forwarded to Edward McMillan, courtesy of... Radio Parallax. It is Thanksgiving, so let's see what our old pal Will Durst has to say.
1: Hey guys, Will Durst here to speak about my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. Food, family, friends, and football for the five F's. I remember the Thanksgivings of yesteryear, the big old family reunion, which I looked forward to until about five seconds after I hit the front porch. Then it all came back. Why? I left home. And they always made me sit at that stupid, fold-up cardboard kids' table. You couldn't move up to the wooden table, because none of them would die. Thanksgiving was my mother's designated holiday, and she thought she was cooking for the 8th Tank Battalion. Every year, she'd seek out this mutant poultry farm and buy a turkey the size of a Lazy Boy recliner. So it was turkey for weeks. Turkey till you trot. Turkey sandwiches, turkey salad, turkey a la king. Finally, turkey carcass in hot water. Soup? No, ma. It's skeleton juice. These get-togethers were always potluck, with everybody bringing a separate dish. You know, the traditional lime jello with olive shreds in it, lamb pudding, 13-bean salad. No, I wish I were making this up. I had no idea there were 13 different types of edible beans. I had no desire to eat them all at one sitting. I certainly would not have chosen to be in a house full of 27 other people who had eaten 13 types of edible beans. Crack a window, Billy. Well, break it then. Candle flames turning blue all over the house. Methane is our friend. One ant would always bring the mystery food. Seemed innocent enough, a glass Pyrex dish with tinfoil on the top. International symbol for normal food, I believe. But no, it was a food ruse. A culinary ambush. You lifted the foil and this stench would shoot straight up. Ceiling tiles curling at the edges. Three rooms away, watching football, grown men would go, The hell was that? Children crying uncontrollably, Daddy, I'm scared. No one knew what it was. A greasy black mass that looked like it was boiling, but nowhere near any apparent heat source. Round, misshapen objects floating to the surface. Something that looked like a clawed appendage with a wing tried to flap free. Nobody went anywhere near it. Somebody made a feeble attempt, but the spoon broke. I was my mom's secret weapon. Billy, try some Anahugla's Dupamush. All right, Ma, let me go get a separate plate. Yeah, the old separate plate trick. We lost more animals that way. The evening ended with two of my aunts locked in a mortal death clinch, bumping bellies on the front porch with 100-millimeter menthols dangling from their mouths, while their spouses traded wild drunken blows on the sidewalk, and the kids threw greasy poultry bones from open car windows at them. And that was last year. Ah, the holidays. Some traditions never die. And you know what? I can't wait to go back this year. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Gobble to you wobble.
0: And be sure to catch Will next week on December 1st when he appears at the Sacramento Convention Center for the Sacramento Press Club's Gridiron Gala. The featured special guest and keynote speaker for this event will be Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Master of Ceremonies will be our pal Will Durst. For more information on this event, you can contact Nancy Mallory at 916-646-1545. To clarify, this event will be at the Sacramento Convention Center, which is at 1400 J Street. You're not going to want to miss that. For more information, go to sacpressclub.org. Anyway, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.